0: graham goodwin it is the weekend sports cars from sebring Woo-hoo! only the second time we have been face to face this year for our super favorite show don't tell that to my other shows
1: though no we
0: really? are here at sebring we have the 12 hours of sebring imps around on saturday before that what do we have what are you here covering i'm here covering uh, the 12 hours but also the 1000 miles of sebring is that the newest sports
2: car racing classic discuss
0: We should say a great and vast thank you to Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers for making this podcast possible. This is episode 501, my friend. Wow. Yes. Do I have audio-related OCD? I think there's a numerical (laughs) answer. Well, we need to get rolling because you have things to do. This is Wednesday evening, early evening in the paddock here. There's a WEC practice session, night session coming up here. We are anticipating the arrival of Sebastian Bourdais, Pedro Lamy, Simon Pagino, maybe even Ant Davidson for a… That sounds
2: like a Peugeot-related thing.
0: Peugeot 908 program, memories and storytelling jam coming up here shortly. But we do have some great questions, usual awesome questions that have come in for our listener-driven Weekend Sports Cars show. As always, you are the man tasked with the most important thing in this show. Which category should we start with? Well, we're on the home turf for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports
2: Car Championship. Let's start with some IMSA questions put together again uh, with our thanks to Ryan Kish. For our delight, delectation, and organisation, all of which are always quite difficult. We're going to start with Matt Nydet. And thanks, Matt, for helping us to pronounce your name. And uh, feel free to do that, guys, if uh, we do mangle them, as we often do. You know I am the last name murderer, so please,
0: pronunciation guides.
2: Uh, Matt asks, how many GTD Sprint Cup programs you're anticipating will be announced between now and the first Sprint Cup race at Mid-Ohio in May? So far, by Matt's count, it's just one. The single McLaren driver's TBD entered by Compass Racing. Do you have any knowledge there will be more? What can you share about that?
0: Do you want me to add one thing? Yeah, I mean, we only know of one, and thanks for sending this in, Matt. Right now, we only know of one. That being the Compass Racing McLaren that is coming here, I believe, in May, where the Championship Within a Championship kicks off. And you are staring at a vehicle here in Sebring's Gallery of Legend. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you which one it is. Yes, but we think there might be a second one that could be coming. It's under consideration.
2: I think there may be more like that. I mean, bear in mind, there is time. There is a little bit of time to actually get that sorted. But yes, I am absolutely aware there is another potentially reasonably high-profile prospective entry to the Sprint Cup. Deal not yet done. Uh, let's wait and see what emerges. You know what? We've not got enough in modern sports car racing that comes forward as a bit of a surprise. It's all a little bit spec at times. It's all a little bit predictable. Um, I think there might be a couple of things that come out the woodwork. Let's wait and see.
0: That's two wait and sees already in the mm-hmm. first couple of minutes here. Um, Alex Ike-Miller.
2: Alex, a uh, regular um, listener and Question, submitter to the Weekend sports cars: How close do you expect lap times to be between the IMSA P2s, the WCP2s, or between the WCGTs and the same ones in IMSA? Curious how different or similar the BOP will be. I'll answer on the, the P2 side, because there is one big difference, uh, and that one big difference is there is a tyre war, and that tyre war is joined and joined to the death here at Sebring, um, and that's come courtesy of Dunlop. Uh, they're going to be supplying three cars of the 138 cars in that paddock uh, over to my right here all of them in LMP2 in the FIWC cars on track you can hear uh, from us they have decided that here is the place to unveil the last permitted spec that they get in a single season of the FI World Endurance Championship after testing here at Sebring Uh, after testing back-to-back with the three available chassis, and after testing with one major team in Europe who tested back-to-back with the current Michelins and the current Dunlops, and they're going Dunlop. So uh, the answer is I think you're going to see potentially quicker lap times from those Dunlop-shod cars. As for what happens with the GTs, we have no BOP change uh, here for the WEC cars because the weather was so appalling in Shanghai, they didn't gather sufficient data or relevant data to actually make any changes. So we'll wait and see. As for where that will stand between the WEC cars and the IMSA cars, that, I think, remains to be seen. Clearly, the US-based team are a lot more experienced, a lot more data here, but there's enough commonality with those teams, enough uh, factory interest in those teams, that you would guess that there's going to be plenty of... Uh, plenty of data exchange between the factory cars.
0: And we'll also mention, dear listeners, we had a great desire to find a soundproof booth. We, we have come to a track that is uh, has been proofed against soundproofing. So we're actually in the Gallery of Legends, which is the quietest place possible. The Media Center Barn is the loudest I've ever been in. I believe the just ambient Decibel level's probably 80, maybe. 75 it's, or 80, it's loud. if not higher. It's It's loud. just like standing trackside. So, again, we apologize if you have some voices in the background that aren't ours. Maybe actually you might enjoy them more. They might actually have more important things to say. But we digress. Let's go to... Enrique Brand, who asks whether IMSA's Michelin P2 tires are the same as the WEC Michelin customer tires, and I think that might be another grim, good I one think, answer. I
2: think the answer is they are. The, the other point to make about Michelin, and I'm sure you've been reading about this uh, all over the interweb, and certainly I'm sure Racer and certainly DSC have been taking a look at it, is the, I can only describe a factory for Michelin here. Uh, this is, of course, their first Sebring as the primary, indeed, sole tyre supplier uh, for uh, not only the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Card Championship, but all of the support series, and we've got two of them here this weekend. Uh, it is a massively impressive facility, not just in terms of the well, the uh, the systems they've got in place, but the sheer scale of it. It is a warehouse of, a, um, of a, a tented kind of area, stretches off into the distance, thousands of thousands of tyres for every single car uh, that is available, uh, you know, for you guys to be trackside and watching and for us to be talking about uh, and writing about. Uh, a truly impressive display from Michelin here at, uh, at Sebring International Raceway.
0: I just threw the banana peel that I ate, and most of it made it into the garbage can. That was was impressive. NBA-style. It's it's indicative of my life. Half in, half out, (laughs) not (laughs) fully correct, but possibly acceptable. Now let's go to Sean Caldwell. Some of these are kind of cool rapid-fire ones, Graham, who asks, could we see IMSA adding a Sprint Cup format for DPI, which might help bring in teams like Spirit of Daytona or ESM? who didn't have the funding for a full season, but maybe shorter races only. Can't foresee something like that happening, Sean, with DPIs, knowing that that's full factory and meant to be factory grade competition, full pro everything. Kind of a, if you can buy in and afford it, we'd love to have you. But if not, we're probably not gonna dumb that down. Now, could I see a P2 style thing? Absolutely. So I think it might be more on the Pro-Am level there. Why don't we go to our next question, uh, comparing BOP across series. Uh, let's see. A guy in a grumpy bear suit, I'm just assuming. Oh, that is from Twitter. Oh, I apologize. That sounds like a perfect Reddit name. Uh, Deruslar. Uh, how much of a gap do you expect to see between the GTE Pro and GTLM qualifying times? And how much of an indictment of one series BOP would it be to have a single manufacturer's car perform vastly better in one session over the other, I think Aston Martin is the only mark that is not in IMSA's GTLM category Correct. across both. Everything else is... is I, and granted, well, we don't have, I believe, Ferrari here in GTLM... That's a very but, good point. You don't. Um, but there, there's vast commonality across both categories It's there. going to be
2: interesting. The, the other thing is, uh, we, we've seen this, of course, before. We had uh, the, the joint um, uh, race meetings at Cota in past years big difference there in lap times was not necessarily to do with the difference in tyres, it was to do with the way in which track limits were enforced uh, for the cars, for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and the, uh, the FI World Endurance Championship, where uh, Eduardo Freitas, famously um, is absolutely rigid in his application of the track limits, where
0: it has to be said less so for IMSA. He should trademark, and I'm not I'm, this isn't meant to be funny, Mr. Freitas should trademark the phrase track limits because every time it's spoken anywhere in the world, I think of him, I hear it in my head in his voice, you have exceeded (laughs) track limits, just this great, great (laughs) accent, but yes, to your point, not something that our friends in IMSA are super bothered with, at least from the American half of this show's uh, perspective, I don't mind not hearing track limits all the time out of Bo Barfield's uh, southern twang. All, nah, it doesn't have so much of a twang anymore, but uh, out of Bo's mouth. Smell is he? Yes. Oh, wow. It's too many cigars.
2: Um, we're going to round off the, uh, the IMSA questions with Gray Mingleby from Twitter. With WC joining IMSA this weekend at Sebring, which WC race should IMSA come and join in? Oh, you, you, why don't you give me your thoughts on that one? Um, well, they're sort of doing it at Le Mans, aren't they? It's, I know it's, it's been a bone of contention uh, with the selection for uh, the Le Mans 24 Hours this year, but nine of the ten cars that uh, we believe applied from the uh, the Emster Championship will be going to Le Mans. The, the one uh, outlier, if you like, is the Shank Orica. That's been a, a one of a number of controversial choices. Uh, but which other could they come to? The, the reality is... It's just a very different format, isn't it? The reality beyond the, the marquee events for uh, the Weather Tech Sports Guard Championship is it, is it far more of a sprint format. It just is. And actually, I think people quite like that.
0: I would, if we're doing this follow-us-back kind of thing, yep. I would say Spa, and it's because we have Road America, oh. which might not be the prestige round, be- to the, due to the fact that it's just a standard 2 hour and 40 minute event compared to the 12, 24 hours and whatnot that we have here. But it is our, call it crown jewel of heritage, speed, just everything about that event is the best. Four mile rolling road course, Wisconsin, the best. It's Belgian, so there's always that. Was but, that. Uh, but sorry, we was make some of Belgians head. here. But, yes, I just, at least my brain works. I think of Spa as the European equivalent and vice versa. So I think it'd be cool for us to head over there, try an even more sprawling, woodbound, woodline circuit, and see what uh, frites with mayonnaise taste like. And, uh, you know, it's also
2: an area that appreciates what it's got in terms of motorsport. I mean, yeah, Silverstone, another place with real heritage. But frankly, until such time as their heritage center opens, you could go you know, a quarter of a mile away from the place and you wouldn't know you were at a racetrack if there weren't cars on track. Um, it's you know, it's, a, it's a shame, but that's the case. I tend to agree with you. We do go to some wonderful places. It would be great, actually, to see the IMSA cars, maybe under the lights in Bahrain, a very different Ooh. very different experience, but something there's something about racing under the lights that is just pretty special. Maybe that's the alternative.
0: Since you're used to dancing under the lights and stripper poles, racing yeah. under the lights, I would like to so sound behind of behind me now, Mike. All right. It's my turn to throw questions back at you. We're going to start with what we lovingly refer to as WEC Aslam ACO, also known as the WC Asian Le Mans Series, ELMS, and the ACO. Mr. Goodwin, since this is your specialty, Adam Bowman asks, If things don't work out for the WEC to continue racing at Sebring, does the WEC have any other options for a U.S. round? That they can reasonably consider. I'll just throw this in quickly since I wrote the story yesterday. Seabring is up ticket sales, advanced ticket sales? Between 40 and 50 percent, yep. track president Wayne Estes, who I spoke with, genuinely panicking <laughs> because they're not sure. No, And again, this isn't false advertising. Nope. When you have folks saying, oh boy, you know, tickets have been great, we've only got a few left, by them now, that's someone maybe pushing a false narrative. Wayne wasn't saying, come buy any more. He was essentially saying, please don't buy any more because <laughs> we don't think, we, can ha- we don't have the infrastructure to handle more. Yep. And I said, why? What is the thing? He didn't say Fernando Alonso. He didn't say Toyotas. He simply said the WEC as a whole has been the thing. So, uh, Adam, if this doesn't work out here, I'll just say this. Uh, I think Sebring would be like, you know, an ex-boyfriend, girlfriend trying to get their lover back because if the WEC is putting 50% sales on the gate, they don't want to let him go.
2: I'm going to say this. Uh, there has been a massive amount of
0: negativity about this race meeting in the months coming
2: up to it. Massive amount.
0: And I know that I said a lot of very negative things last year when it was announced, thinking this is ridiculous, there's no way this could work. Absolutely raising my hand, saying, and I, hopefully, dear listeners, you know this, don't listen to anything I say. <laughs> it's usually wrong. But I didn't think this was, I thought this was going to be a failure from yep. the outset. I know I wasn't alone, but again, I'm not talking for others, at least for me. I didn't think we were going to be here talking. Increase.
2: Absolutely right. Well, look, let's put it this way. Um, I've talked to a lot of people over the last couple of days here. And I divide those into three groups. Fans, the teams and drivers, and the organisers from, from both the sanctioning bodies. I have not spoken to one single unhappy person yet. The, the narrative from the fans is we are delighted to see the big guys, the LMP1s,
0: back. There Perhaps. was one un- unhappy person. We should tell folks, Rick Dole, an oh, ace veteran photographer. Rick. And that's not unhappy because he's unhappy about the event. No. He's unhappy because he fell off of a, a nasty 10, fall. 15 foot uh, photo tower and more or less shattered his elbow. Rick, one of the sport's great Absolutely. photographers. Um, yeah, so Get he's well the only unhappy me. one. Granted, that happiness went away because they started dialing up the drugs from what we're told. <laughs> so hopefully he's floating in a happy space. So we're missing you, Rick. Wish Rick, you were we here. We are. Wish you were here, but Rick. That might be the only person who's yes. a little grumpy but right now.
2: With, for good reason. But the fans loving the fact they've got a packed paddock and, and frankly the other thing to say is the job they've done with the space they've got available in that paddock is fantastic um, we've got a happy weck paddock we've got but the look of everything a very happy IMSA paddock the, the job they've done with the new pit lane yes we haven't yet seen that operating in race conditions looks very solid indeed um, there are things that still need to be worked out but I can tell you right now I've spoken to significant individuals within the, uh, those responsible for organizing this race, and this has massively exceeded their expectations.
0: So I'll pick up there again and also roll in the next question from Mateus Longo. Um, I apologize, from uh, Sean Rant. No, actually, we just took care of Sean. Um, I'll just add to this quickly. Uh, There was the question – no, I apologize. I'm getting caught up here, and I'm not going to edit it either. This is just you (laughs) hearing how my brain actually fumbles, unfortunately. Uh, Sean Randall also asked, do you see Sebring and IMSA and WEC races becoming something more permanent, or is the WEC looking to try and rebuild its fan base maybe somewhere else? Uh, They're looking at other venues, maybe Laguna Seca. Would just say that, you know, from what I've seen here – Uh, I think we're going to be in a very good place as we're joined by the amazing Anthony Davidson, not for this little Week in Sports Cars podcast, although you could certainly weigh in. Um, I think, Graham, what we're going to have here is something that continues to build towards positivity and possible permanence because the thing that I was so grumpy about last year and others were when this was announced was the kind of cockamamie idea of starting a Two-hour hour gap. The two-hour hour gap. 1,500-mile race at midnight or whatever it was. That's what led That's what led me to say, what CEO from a major organization is going to fly to Florida and say, yeah, honey, let's turn up and watch our cars race at 2 a.m. to start? But when that shifted to this more realistic Friday start at 4 p.m., racing from light into dark, all of a sudden this became a real thing where everybody could enjoy. I think this is going to become well, a fixture. What, Ant's here. Ant's...
2: Out there in the paddock, he's been, I'm sure, talking to... We've his.
0: nominated him president of all WEC opinions. Absolutely.
2: So. so I'm going to ask, and I'm going to hand in my mic, uh, Mike. which is, what is the atmosphere like out there? What are the teams saying? What are the, the other drivers saying? Are they enjoying this? We've not yet got the full fan base here. That happens tomorrow. It will be a tsunami of fans, I'm sure, tomorrow. I'm going to pass the mic to Anthony. He can answer that question.
3: Well, yeah, having been here with um, with the equivalent of uh, IMSA before um, and now here with WECK, it's um, it's not much of a difference, to be honest. There's a different part of the paddock, of course. Um, it's quite interesting having... Uh, you know the, the new guys here with a weck that have never been to sebring before they're a bit bemused because at the moment they they just see it as well where are we We're in the middle of nowhere in florida no one seems to be here why are we here for and i'm trying to tell them well wait just wait you just wait it, things are going to heat up it's going to get cool and uh you know there's going to be a real carnival atmosphere around this place and uh, I'm kind of excited for them because I know what's coming. Um, They've got no idea. So, you know, it's going to be good. But in terms of the racing side, they're they're totally fine. They're going at it just like we would do at any other normal WEC event. Wait till they come back
0: and only their underwear and socks because they've been stripped, robbed, and fed, though, and given (laughs) beer. Fed fed, fed there. ostensibly stripped down like a chicken being plucked. But, yeah, that's kind of the, uh, the Green Park experience here at Sebring. Well, Graham, we've got a little bit of time, a little bit more time, then we're going to hit the pause button and come back to the Absolutely. show a little bit later. Uh, well, it's,
2: you know what? There's, uh, there's a couple of questions here. I can answer some of it, but it's with Ant here. I'm going to take the opportunity to please. ask him from a different perspective. And it surrounds Car Car. Car Car France's um, benefit hyper-car. is it Car. We hyper-car. while we're making up names, Car Car uh, is just as good. And we've got a couple of questions. Matthias Longo and uh, from Doug Bonham. It, it is around... Um, what do we expect to come uh, with the, the, the news just breaking mid uh, midweek last week around road car derivatives actually going to be allowed within these regulations? What do we expect is going to come? Um, what are we going to hear next on this one? What I can tell you for starters is we are going to have um, some access to the rule makers on Friday. Uh, We've promised uh, a, a basically behind-closed-doors briefing on where things stand. Do I expect that to, be, to lead to a long list of manufacturers that are going to commit today, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? No, I don't. Um, they've got their hands full here. Uh, this is most certainly a, a point in the rulemaking uh, cycle where they are clearly looking for a solution to a pretty major problem. And the pretty major problem has two or three angles to it. One is, this is probably the toughest time we've ever seen in terms of the automotive industry of trying to get to the point where you find a formula that fits what is an incredibly fast-moving environment in terms of the technology that's going to define the automotive industry so give them that little bit here this is not an easy thing to achieve right now with the rule cycles the automotive model cycles changing at just a massively rapid pace are there manufacturers interested in coming to play there are. Are there enough that can get to the stage where this is going to be a sustainable rulebook uh, for the next three, four, five years? I don't think we're going to know that for some weeks yet, but it, it has to come. If not, there's going to be a major change. I don't know what you're hearing from, uh, from your kind of side of the, the, the
3: industry. Well, look, I mean, it's exciting that, um, you know, you, you're seeing this new breed of car-car, as you call it, the hyper-cars coming out. Um, I say car-car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to join in. Yeah, it's, it's, it's facts now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, look, it's exciting that road, road car uh, manufacturers and developers are, are going that route with, with the road car. I don't know how it will integrate into uh, into the sports car world yet. Um, but, look, as far as I see it, WEC has to reinvent itself some way um, i see the gt class being very competitive and interesting for the fans it's a car that they can see and maybe strive to drive one day out in the real road um, but you know and they see them race there in in, in all the great liveries and, and they sound good they go good it's, it's great competition like i say then you've got the lmp2 class which i'm competing in this weekend and that's you know, it's, it's a gentleman class where you, you need the the paying driver to to inject quite a lot of cash into this uh into this series um, because it's not unfortunately like formula one or, or indycar maybe which is, is is you know you've got the tv productions behind them and that's where your revenue comes from it doesn't have that luxury so you need the gentleman driver it has its place in WEC. Um, and then LMP1. Now, that's the sticking point. That's the kind of thorn in the side of the WEC in many ways, and that's what needs to be reinvented. How many manufacturers, like you say, will come in on board? They want to obviously highlight and showcase their new their, their, their new cars, their new creations. Um, but how can they all compete against each other on a level, level playing field? And therefore, how does that affect the other categories that already exist within WEC? It's a difficult one, and I, I can't answer it, but... All I want to say is that a driver you want to drive the fastest machinery possible if you're in LMP1. I, I completely
2: agree, and that's been the big draw. the, the thing that people are talking to me about uh, from the fan base in the paddock is it's about they're delighted to see the LMP1 cars back here. While we've got Ant here, and while we're actually on the record, I am actually going to make and uh, uh, there's something I need to admit to Ant because I've never admitted this to him. Um, No, it's not that. Now, our fan base are well-informed and wonderful and will know that Ant has held and therefore in perpetuity will hold hold the title of world champion. And Ant will remember having won that title, getting on board the plane in Bahrain and just as we were rolling down uh, the taxiway, uh, was being greeted as a world champion by the captain on that plane. I... There you were. I did that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
2: it's, but uh, we'll ban we'll this back. Marshall, I think, is, is just we're gathering troops for, for something you're going to be hearing on the Marshall Pruitt podcast in the coming weeks, which is a, a pretty spectacular gathering of personalities around the Peugeot 908 programme. But it is that thing about still now for the drivers, that attraction of that title. We, we, we talk a lot about is Le Mans too dominant than WEC? But from a driver's point of view, is the title of being a
3: world champion still as much of a draw as it was? Right now, I kind of, I doubt it. No, I, I would say not. Not when, look, to get a title, it's nice. But you want to earn your title. Yeah. And just facing your teammates, competing against your teammates, you know, that that's... It, it's, it's all well and good, but you need external competition as well from other manufacturers in the sport, and um, and that's what I remember. For Sorry, my, he's been teased up by Sebastian Bordere, <laughs> <laughs> he's just,
2: just arrived. By the way, as we. While he's just the back your head, is that making the French tickler? Uh, oh, you know, I've, dear m- me. I've missed that, mate. Uh, I miss that. <laughs> but. <laughs> but uh, I so missed your touch. But. <laughs> we, should, uh, we,
3: should, we should say,
2: while Sebastian actually arrives, we'll say this for the record here. At the time of recording, still the lap record, the outright lap record holder here at Sebring International Raceway um, done in the race in 2009 and you're going to hear more about that tale on the Marshall Pruitt podcast when this gathering of Peugeot stars uh, actually comes together as the, as the constellation of uh, epicness that that is actually coming together at the moment. Who else is coming? We've got Pedro uh,
0: Pagino will be here at seven. Uh, he's a very particular man, but we love him nonetheless. Uh, so we figure we'd at least start with the three most important drivers I could find, and then, you know, Pagano will be a nice little addition. It's well, like the he's like the breath mint at the end of the meal. You know? <laughs> but we, we love him nonetheless. Well, that's for a later date for well, the Marshall Proof podcast. You know, why don't but? we do this while we're waiting for Pedro? Ask him, ask the outright lap holder about you can try not to curse too much but you were regaling us with it stories was of that tale Let's amazing. capture some of that here too yeah, i mean you kept telling us how amazing it was but let's hear about how amazing you are
2: uh, because that was well the, the way you explained it earlier off mic and we're going to ask you to do it on mic now was you were a bit of a naughty boy
3: you were not supposed N- uh, to do it no i was i was trying to be a good uh, a good uh, factory driver what doing what i was told but 2009 well there was not a single time here where anybody thought, to get in the car for qualifying let's put it this way <laughs> because it was pre balance of performance and equivalence between the diesel and gasoline engine cars and uh and yeah i mean basically there was a hard deck and it was like forty-five zero. zero i think i can remember that and uh and yeah the car was probably capable of a low very low 42 or high 41 which we had done in private testing plenty of times and uh yeah it was uh it was not a very exciting moment to try and do a 45 without showing what the car These finished, are the tales
2: so. that can now be told, you see. Yes. It's, uh, we've been joined as well, by the way, by the Peter Pan of Portugal, uh, Pedro Lamy, all the P's. Um, and that, again, Pedro will be part of the Peugeot, lots more Peas, uh, Peugeot show to come in. What, a week or so's
0: time? Yeah, sometime, so why don't we hit pause on this? We will. We'll come back and
2: record uh, a little later. Great stuff and hopefully the same kind of sound in a different, let's face it, more cultured accent will be coming well, through.
0: Well, you do have a more cultured accent <laughs> than me, than me do. Well, we're continuing here. This is part two. This is our editing point. Uh, we finished yesterday, I think, in a little bit of a hurry with Aunt Davidson, but then also Sebastian Bourdais. We're back in kind of the same spot in the Gallery of Legends, Graham Goodwin. We've got uh, Burt Levy next to us, who's playing audio as well. So we can't guarantee the quality of their of ambient sounds because there's no such thing as a quiet place at Sebring uh, not this year most certainly was it 97 decibels 97 decibels in the media centre the new media barn <laughs> it's pretty cool though there's hay we get to sit we got on that. hay Me- evening there's, meals thrown in if you need milk for your coffee <laughs> you get it straight from the source there's cows there it's pretty amazing
2: <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you something before we move on to the second half of the weekend sportscast Marshall um, even before you press record those ex-Persia boys
0: having some fun weren't they Oh, well, I already did hit record, but yeah, uh, the <laughs> the chat, and apparently we have an air raid going on. That <laughs> always makes for a great recording here. Thanks, Bert. Um, great conversation last night between Sebastian Bourdais, Aunt Davidson, and Pedro Lamy. I was just effectively sitting back listening and throwing in the odd little thing here or there, but it was just the three of them. They were having fun. Oh, it was brilliant, so I cannot wait to get that out, and then... Simon Paginot, who wasn't here when we were supposed to start and then wasn't here for the later time when he said he would be. (laughs) (laughs) We've arranged for an hour tomorrow between Sebastian and Simon to talk about specifically their uh, French recollections. In French? Maybe, maybe. Uh, And I'll be translating it live into English, even though my three years of high school French has probably just devolved into nothing. So uh, hopefully going to add even more tomorrow and then get this out here sometime in the coming weeks. But let's get going with part two of the Week in Sports Cars brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers.
2: Well, we're going to carry on with Weck Aslam's uh, ACO, our uh, ACO moniker. Uh, First question in this second part is from David Fauna from uh, Facebook. Hi, David. Gentlemen, I wouldn't go that far. If they replace the American WC race with a race in Australia, would the FIA still consider it a world championship? If not, why not? My recollection is you have to be on a certain number of continents for it to be regarded as a world championship in a a full season. Um, So I'd have to go back. My guess is if it's a world championship uh, with this number of continents, they're replacing one with another we're not currently on, the answer is yes. Absolutely. It's as simple as that. And would we like to go to Australia? Oh, hell yes. Um, the Bend Motorsport Park in Adelaide, um, just outside Adelaide, looks fantastic. We'll we're there with the Asian Le Mans Series in January of next year. Would I like that to replace a race in North America? No. But we are going to be moving back towards a more regular, standard number of races in the calendar. And I
0: think there's every chance we might see Australia in the coming years. So let me start feeding you some additional WEC questions, Mr. Goodwin, and we will continue rocking and rolling. Now, this one was sent in to me from Brian Cohn, but I think having stood on my I'm feeling box, rejected. I'm yes, feeling rejected. You, <laughs> uh, having already stood on the soapbox, I'm actually going to switch it up and pose this mm. to Mr. Goodwin. Uh, so Brian says... The ACO tweeted on Tuesday, International Women's Day, something along those lines. Probably. Yes. Uh, tweeted on Tuesday that the Kessel Racing GTE team was selected for Le Mans because their driver lineup of all women drivers is endorsed by the FIA Women in Motorsports Commission. I understand that the Kessel team also had an auto invite for winning the Michelin Le Mans Cup and GT. I have no issue with the team being selected based on obviously legitimate criteria. Where things go sideways for me is that the FIA Women in Motorsports Commission is endorsing teams and or drivers. Is the ACO and FIA that out to lunch that they'll openly admit to playing favorites, especially when it comes to equality? Having a commission work on getting more women involved in the sport is great. Having that commission pick winners and losers is a giant red flag. By nature, sanctioning bodies are supposed to be neutral, and they've already shown they are not. What are your on this
2: well the, uh, the i guess the the 600 pound gorilla in the room here is that we're not talking about just kessel racing we're talking about my shank racing as well that being the other all female crew that was not selected i'm reasonably clear i think it was a pretty clumsy answer that they actually gave i'm reasonably clear as to some of the reasons why and why not and full disclosure here by the way um i was at uh, Sepang for the Asian le mans series cat leg was there oddly enough, in a women in motorsport commissioned and endorsed LMP3 entry, which she shared amongst the other two racers with Michelle Gatting, who is in the Kessel Ferrari. Uh, Kat then asked me to go and introduce her to uh, Sam and Stuart cox who run Algar Pro Racing, who were due to assist Mike Shank with that entry, did so, and on the way between the two garages, asked me what I thought would happen. And I have to tell you, what I laid out to Catherine is exactly what transpired, as we've got, I think, WC cars on track uh, right now, as you'll hear in the background. There there is a reality. I've said it before in answer to other questions on the weekend sports cars. This is a perfect storm of a year for anything other than a guaranteed entry to the Le Mans 24 hours. Um, And what I mean by that, there were precious few uh, additional entries available for the selection committee to go with. So, realistically, there were in a situation where they were going to be asked to to select one, other, or both. To select both of the all-female crews would have meant only five remaining entries available for the remainder of the European Le Mans series, the remainder of the Asian Le Mans series. Um, they were always going to be in a position where that was going to be tough. My advice to, uh, to Catherine Legg was apply next year with that entry. My guess is things are going to be an awful lot better. There are going to be fewer problems in terms of the numbers that are going to be developed at the end of the year. Is it political? Well, political with a small p. Remember, the ACO and and FI announced at Le Mans last year that there would be initiatives moving forward. There's no real surprise in that. And I guess in terms of opportunities to bring new groups new technologies new aspects to motorsport forward there's actually been a pretty proud history in the 24 hours Monde of doing that Garage 56 in recent years Fred Sose remember uh, you know carrying the flag for disabled motorsport that wasn't a program that met with universal approval but my god did that deliver Massive. and you know for me I think we all need to just take a step away from this. It is disappointing we're not going to see the cat and the cat-sponsored uh, car at Le Mans this year. I think there will be the opportunity to do that next year. I strongly suspect that we'll see that car both apply and be accepted in 2020. I'm not playing the game of it's not fair. Is it? There's a lot of things that aren't fair about that entry.
0: Short-sided. Uh, yes, maybe. short sighted doesn't necessarily have
2: no, no, fair But, No, but, but equally... The, the problem here is that you are left with a situation where if you, if you uh, accepted both of those cars, an undoubtedly worthy full-season entrance from a full-season or more of ACO organised racing would miss out. Is that any less fair? Is that any less fair, I would say here? So um, if the question, by the way, is, is it fair that it's that car, not that car? That genuinely isn't for me to judge. Is it fair that both didn't get in? Yes, it's completely fair that both didn't get in. Positive discrim- discrimination right now in motorsport towards opportunities for female drivers at the highest level is a good thing. It's a very good thing. Should you be doing that to the total exclusion of other people looking for their opportunities that are hard one, hard fought in terms of both budget and results, that's absolutely fair as well. Do I agree with their decision? I'm a bit on the fence. I think they would have been the more competitive proposition, but I absolutely see why the ACO have gone in that direction.
0: The only thing I would add, Graham, is just from a competitor standpoint, as a racer, it just strikes me as odd if there is a women in motorsports commission and there is a goal to grow and inspire... And the most accomplished lineup of women entered for the race is denied. Yep. And so that's not, yeah, okay. oh, that's no, not that. from a fair I'll standpoint. It's a, if you're wanting to show your best, no disrespect to the women who were chosen, they are many years behind in terms of their development and experience. Can they get to a place that uh, Anna Beatriz, Catherine Leigh, Christina Nielsen are today? entirely possible but at least if we're talking today and this initiative you have a trio that was entered that we know would be competing on merit yeah and I shouldn't say competing running hard and I would anticipate impressively on merit regardless of gender which is a part of that message as well we can be just as good if not better than the men it just looks a little bit odd to me to say, hmm, not that the women in the Kessel Racing yeah. Entry don't belong. That's not what I'm saying, just we don't expect them to factor.
2: I think the, 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 the political point is, is a perfectly valid one for people to raise. I'm certainly not going to get into a them and us thing with IMSA ACO, because I'll be honest with you, I think it's wrong. I think, for me, if you're going to go down that road, then you have to take into account which is the car you think shouldn't be there. I have a very clear answer on that one. The car that should not be at the one moment of the to the Toyota's. <laughs> is the Rizzi Competizione Ferrari. And not because I think they're not a worthy team, they're a perfectly worthy team, but they don't fulfil an important criteria. They're not entered in a full season racing. They're not here at Sebring. So that, if, if there's any car that's robbed that car of an opportunity, it's that one. And that's not because I've got an agenda against Rizzi, it's because that's what the rules say. So um, I'll add just this final point, by the way. The failure in the politics here is between the FIA and meyer shank Racing. Not between, mm. not between the FIA and Castle Racing. That that it succeeded with. I have spoken to two significant parts of that Maya Shank Racing FIA Women uh, uh, Commission in Motorsports. Uh, what do we call that structure? And I have tried to assist another step forward with making that, that connection. Maybe that's where this didn't succeed. Mm. Maybe, maybe there's been a disconnect there, whether or not from the FIA point of view, whether from the Myers-Shank point of view that that meant that things didn't come together in a way that would assist them in the way it possibly should have done. Let's see what happens for next year.
0: I'll throw one more item in here, and this is just something I've heard a few times. I can't say if it's accurate, but I've heard it. But th- there's been a very strong suggestion, Graham, that Catherine's appearance in Malaysia, I believe, for the Asian Le Mans series finale in that Women in Motorsports uh, Commission-supported, yep. or however yeah. you want to phrase that, uh, vehicle that that wasn't just a random invite for Catherine to be there, that there might have been a suggestion that in terms of gaining acceptance on the okay. Le Mans entry list, that her coming and participating, uh, being a leader there, assisting uh, effectively, assisting an ACO slash FIA affiliated series with this initiative uh, in Malaysia would only help their case in getting accepted at Le Mans. I've heard that there might have been a feeling of either being played or used or something. I'm not saying that's accurate, but if that is the case, if we're talking politics, that's maybe pushing back hard the other way.
2: You know what, As the, uh, with the professional background I've got, my advice to everybody involved here is step away from social media and the anger we've seen from some people who darn well should know better. Get around the meeting table with these people. You know, that uh, Ligier that Catherine was driving was sponsored, directly sponsored by Richard Mille. Uh, Richard is the uh, FI Endurance Commission president. Get in the room. Have that conversation. Point out what you're doing. Point out how you're trying to do it. It's impressive. We know that. We're here. We can see that. We're going to see it on track as well.
0: That's the way to win the battle. Let's move on to our pal every week, consistent like a Swiss watch, right turn lover Excellent. Has Graham been able to obtain an, I love this, explanation of tempering for the EOT, the equivalence of technology, due to Sebring being a grade 2 circuit and thus hybrids having their electronic power tempered to 300 kilowatts, or has that rule been dropped for this weekend's event?
2: That's a really good question. I have absolutely no clue. It's certainly not mentioned.
0: Well, make something up, Goodwin. I'll, I'll make it
2: up. Yes, it's terrible. They'll be losing by laps. No, I think the answer is it's a very good question. Um, I will go and find the answer, is a straight answer. Um, I'll, I'm sure, you know what, I'm going to find there's a caveat somewhere in that rule. You will, The regular listeners will know that this has been a long-standing pet peeve of mine, is that those massively complex equivalents and technology bulletins that we receive, and we do receive them now as of... You know, as a regular thing, need two pieces of information. Where have you got the baseline figures to come up with this solution and what are you looking to achieve? Neither of those two things should be complicated. Both of those two things should be a standard and both of those two things give us the opportunity to make a determination whether or not opinion should form part of a journalistic response to it. If it's done on fact and we see the results uh, as intended, then there's not going to be a problem. The problem now is everybody is joining the dots without the benefit of having the facts at their disposal. That is a mistake. It remains a mistake, and it needs to be fixed.
0: Graham Goodwin on the boil today. I love it. I love it. Let's go to yet again Deruslar, a grumpy, a guy in a grumpy bear suit. That's a great name. Thanks for his real name. What are the odds that a WEC entered LMP2 sets a faster pole time than a DPI? And what do you think the fallout would look like? I can answer that. If that happens. I think people will be fired. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it might not just be at the series level, it might be at the manufacturer level. Because if we have DPIs with custom everything, more downforce, more power, more you name it, uh, getting outrun by a WEC P2, um, yeah, uh, there's going to be some vacancies for sure on Monday. Um, Knowing that IMSA's P2 cars are, there are some slight differences to the wet cars now since they've yep. had to create some class separation here in IMSA. So the P2 across both championships should not be a match for la- on lap time. But uh, DPI should be a couple seconds faster. If, and if they're not, what's wrong? What's well, going on? Would have
2: thought we talked in the first half of the show about this potential tire battle. I'm not sure what we're going to see in terms of qualifying pace. I'm not sure what we're going to see in terms of uh, session pace for those cars. Let's wait and see. I think there's going to be a lot of number crunching done by the time manufacturers in the aftermath of this event for both races.
0: And we have a Jag 120, I believe, backing into the gallery of legends here. Uh, A drophead coupe at that. Oh, life is good. See, this is ambient noise we don't mind, Graham.
2: No, I think there's a Brumos 911 coming in as well.
0: Ooh, good lord. I think it is. Let's go to Jonathan Wu. Thoughts on the WEC Pitman setup here in Sebring. What do you guys know about the WEC part of Pit Lane? Does it have US style concrete wall, Yep. European style concrete, or just a white line? And I didn't it, know that there was European.
2: Uh, there was most certainly a US style uh, concrete wall. It's uh, for those that are not oh, aware. But no, nah, it's, 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 it's a bit of a hybrid, um, no wet joke intended. But for me, pretty impressed with what they've achieved. It's very neat and tidy. It is uh, alongside, it's along the Ullman Strait. So uh pits in, as the 911 does make its way in behind us. Um,
0: Either that or you had Taco Bell last night. Might
2: just stop and listen to this for a moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. a little uh, ambient audio feature here in the middle of the show.
2: Well, all right, not, like a, but not a Brumos Porsche but the same kind of era but, uh, so it's uh, pit in is turn 16 it's going to be interesting in race uh, conditions to see cars in and out of that pit lane and uh, what, what happens with control there but neat and tidy I have heard literally no moans whatsoever from the teams about the arrangements there I'm very impressed with the way they've laid out the long, long paddock between IMSA, WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, their tech area, then into the, um, the, the, the two support uh, IMSA race um, series, then the massive Michelin factory, and then into the, the WEC uh, pit and paddock area. I would say that's probably, what, about a mile?
0: It's crazy, yeah. It's amazing. It's,
2: it's absolutely astonishing. Um, and from me to you, MP, I've seen far more reasons why this is going to be sustainable into year two than I possibly expected
0: was also told, and y'all might have read, that Michelin has 16,000 tires on site here. I suggested to someone earlier that we steal one of them. (laughs) Just a mess. Are you sure? 16,000? Exactly. You might need to do an accounting on that. Come back with 15,999, and then we'll produce the sixteen thousand. That's not very nice. All right. Let's go to a question here from Ryan Terpstra. Thanks for always sending in great stuff, Ryan. That... I'm sure many folks could use some spoken wisdom on, can we talk about the rule changes just posted on Daily Sports Car for Car Car? This being Ooh. the most recent 2020 hyper car-brid, hyper-brid car, hyper car 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 Latest updates and thoughts. Ron says, I didn't understand what it means. So why don't you do this, start us off with what was originally announced okay. for 2020 Car Car, and then where this latest... Evolution in the last week has come to it.
2: Uh, you're not alone. Uh, we are going to have, I gather, a substantial update. We're recording this uh, just towards lunchtime on Thursday, tomorrow morning. There'll be a reasonably select group uh, behind closed doors having this explained in more detail. I suspect that meeting might be quite loud. Um, where we started was uh, a prototype chassis, so an LMP chassis with effectively a kind of larger greenhouse to allow a more silhouette uh, body, uh, which would give styling cues for road car models. That would be effectively anything you want in terms of an engine. It would be a highly restricted, a very mild hybrid on the front axle of that car, um, with the performance across entrance balanced by effectively windows and ratios between power, aerodynamics, etc. So there there's going to be quite a tight window that whatever you brought could achieve. The addition, and it is an addition, is that uh, there has been lobbying on behalf of, I believe, and I think our colleague uh, Gary Watkins nailed this, uh, a group of three manufacturers, they being McLaren, Ferrari and Aston Martin with Red Bull Racing, um, to allow the addition to those regulations of more road car based hypercars. So this has been knocking around for a little wee while so that there's potential confounding factor and balancing problem number one. I'm also hearing that we may hear, um, whether or not uh, it's offered or an answer to questions, that there might actually now be even the opportunity or the possibility of gathering further subsets to regulations which might be hypercars without a hybrid system. Where does this leave us? The straight and honest answer is, Ryan, I have absolutely no clue. It does sound like a nightmare of balancing uh, problems to come. Um, are we in a situation where they've got a raft of manufacturers queuing up ready to confirm? I genuinely have no clue. Uh, things have gone silent for a number of manufacturers. That might mean one thing or another. It might mean they are preparing plans. It might mean they're backing out or backing off. Um, There's certainly a question to be asked and a story or two to be written about the role of one or other manufacturers in the development of this. Tomorrow morning is going to be, I think, a defining moment in the future of these regulations. And Pierre Fion and Gerard Naveau, who most certainly will be in that room, I hope are prepared for the questions that are going to come at them thick and fast. It's going to be like a machine gun barrage.
0: Let's go to our final question here, and I might be able to help out with this. Comes in from our pal, Miggins Motorsports. says, during the race, uh, the Silverstone WEC race last year, a number of cars suffered due to a bump on the way into COPS. He says, I know Sebring has much bigger and more frequent bumps. How do teams set up for them, and is it different for each circuit? Yes, absolutely. So ride height is a big, big and important factor here. Uh, this is something where to clear the bumps, to make sure that you're not wearing out the bottom of the car, you indeed do need to increase the ride height. Wouldn't necessarily be something where teams are going to stiffer springs to make it harder to compress and get in there. Just simply increasing ride height is honestly one of the big things. And also ride control, knowing that at least the prototypes have what are called third springs. Uh, really helps uh, set the aerodynamic platform of the car. Also, is a bit of ride height well, I shouldn't say not a bit, is also ride height control. So it's just a case of having to run the car a little bit less than optimal ride height, maybe not making maximum downforce. The lower you can run a car, the more downforce you can make from beneath it. Uh, This is a case where you would be almost Fred Flintstone style. Oh, yeah. Using your feet to propel because (laughs) there'd be no floor left if you ran it as low as you wanted to. So that's just a practical thing that every team, WEC, IMSA, Any series where you have cars that are aero based and tend to run low, it's just a concession that has to be made.
2: And it is that thing about there being a balance about the, I mean, you know, we've seen all of the WEC teams in various uh, testing opportunities uh, testing here, sometimes with those two test days that were run specifically for that purpose, others with some of the tire tests that have been run here uh, over the previous months. They all take this extremely seriously. This is a unique surface, it's a unique challenge to them, and there's all sorts of Compromises and solutions being tried by the teams. It's going to be a very interesting thousand miles of Sebring.
0: Let's say hello to David Hobbs. How are you, my friend? Good, thanks, Michael. How are you? I, I see you have some book called Hobo. Is it about a
1: homeless race car driver? It's book. The book's name is Hobo. Hobo. Motor race at a motor mouth. i i a guy
0: who looks a lot like you. It sounds like you might be the subject of that book. Kidding aside. Brilliant read. I'm so glad you're here. I assume you've been selling the heck out of them. Are you printing them at home
1: in the garage? Uh, Well, not exactly, but sales are going pretty well, I think, yeah, for a a book of this niche value. We've sold, of course, my big goal is to beat Brian Redmond, Uh, but I don't think I've quite reached his massive heights yet. But we're catching up. Um, And, of course, we're in the second year now, but we've had a reprint, a big reprint. So uh, things should be pretty good. Um, Hopefully we'll sell a few here at Sebring when we announce it on the PA and uh, let people know we're here. But, uh... You and I did a
0: podcast speaking about it, and I hope folks continue to purchase a fine book. It's genuinely brilliant. Genuinely br- Again, not saying you, just the book itself. You yeah. did a good job there. We wouldn't <laughs> want to leave any overflowing compliments, but all kidding aside, it is brilliant seeing you here. It, is it strange, though, Graham, not seeing Mr. Hobbs speaking to us overhead? Or I think there should be a, there
2: should be a, there otherwise. should be a coat hook there where we can kind of hang. Brown.
0: It should be it should be
2: uh, David from the wall here so we can actually see a living legend in front of us. I,
1: I must say it's a bit disappointed to see some of these legends of Sebring, and my name is not there.
2: Isn't it? It is not. Get a uh, get a pen, get I a think sharpie.
1: We, uh, we just have a breaking exclusive scoop:
0: David Hobbs coming out of retirement. To do what's necessary to be well, received as a legend. Well, if Alonso if steps down at if
2: Alonso <laughs> steps down at Toyota, why, why not? <laughs> I to ask. While well, we've got that the opportunity, silly, just for why a moment, with David, this is a, a completely unique Sebring meeting. You've been here so so many times before. Your impression? We've got the Twelve Hours of Sebring. We've obviously got the F.I. World Insurance Championship uh, here, here as well. Have you had a chance to take the the kind of the atmosphere out there?
1: Well, I haven't had much of a chance either. Only just arrived, but. Uh, you know, from all reports and what I've heard, and of course, uh, ticket sales are at an all-time high. Uh, and it is a, I mean, it is, really is a pretty unprecedented event when you have two long races, a six-hour on Friday and a 12-hour on Saturday with some of the world's top drivers here, including a couple of world champions. I mean, you really can't do much better than that And let little old Sebring, Florida. And um, I was just saying to my friend Jim Gooch on the way in, 51 years since I first came to Sebring Good Lord. to drive wow. the the and you're John. you
2: only what 52, 53.
1: You must have got very young. Well, I was yeah, I was only six, but <laughs> they let me drive with. I had big blocks on the pedals and cushions, but uh, yeah, I was driving the golf, the John Wire Golf GT40 with, with Paul Hawkins, <laughs> and of course we were leading, and there was a javelin here being driven by three ladies: Donna May Mims, um, Janet Guthrie, and uh, gosh. Anyway, they had contact down at turn five, I think. Uh, and, of course, Paul, being an absolute macho male chauvinist, <laughs> he just <laughs> ripped these girls. Uh, well, he couldn't rip them, new because but, uh, you, know, you know, have already got... But, anyway, he, he ripped them off in the... In the I'm not quite... Because I didn't see this incident, but I'm not quite sure. <laughs> he probably... I mean... It's so easy when you're in a faster car to, to force your way past slower cars, and you, you really you shouldn't in a 12-hour race. You just don't have to. Anyway, that put us out, and we were leading. But, um, yeah, Paul's comments afterwards were repeated worldwide. But that was my first trip here, and um, the second trip was also with Golf and the GT40, the second year, with Mike Halewood this time. And um, the third time I came here was with the 512 of the Sunoco 512 uh-huh. driving Mark Donahue and we were on the pole and we were leading easily and Paul got into an altercation with Pedro Rodriguez right out the back because this is on the old long circuit date and I've heard since that in fact it was our man Mark who caused it not not Pedro uh, anyway that was another one we should have won <laughs>
2: It's a delight to meet you again, sir, and um, delight to see another living legend. There's so many of them here. It's a at ridiculous evening.
0: oversight that we're not staring at the. Uh, well, the Ho- um, we should be in Hobbs Hall right hash- now.
1: Hashtag Save David. What yeah. have you got? You got Charlie Mendez and. Uh, and you got uh, Peter Gregg and John Fitch and John Green. Wayne Taylor is on that Wayne wall. On that I wall. mean, well, if we're Taylor, Talking about setting the bar low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, yeah, so I just have to make sure that's put right.
0: I think
2: we could possibly do something to try to help that, that thing we're along. Going,
1: I'm going to get a, uh,
0: some screws and a drill. We're going to drill your book into the wall. That, I think is that going would be, to that'd be, be a the way non- to do it. That would be message. a way to do it.
2: Yeah. David, good luck with today and the rest of the, the, the weekend. Um, enjoy the race, the race weekend. I hope we can see you maybe on the spectator bank, banks with a sun, an appropriate sun hat and taking in the, the, the 2019 version.
1: Well, thank you very much indeed. Yeah. Nice we'll to be bring here. the cold beverages for you, mate.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you too, my friend.
2: Well, there you go. There's a, a, a positive amongst all the negatives. They're sitting yes, here. Yeah, that, uh, that was a proper I mean, living that's legend. Just,
0: that's one of the great things about Sebring. Genuinely, you just see so many friends, Us. colleagues. I mean, I was fortunate to be the most junior of underlings uh, at Speed, and you know, shared the booth a couple of times with David. But just to you know, so fortunate to get to know him and actually have him as a colleague. Absolutely. Again, where you're sitting there doing the Wayne's World. I'm not worthy. I'm not <laughs> worthy. But. Ah. Again, it's just—it's brilliant to see good folks like David. We got—we got to push of. on now because there
2: is no such thing as a short David no, Hobbs story. No.
0: So we're going to get—we're going to get into general, and I'm going to throw this right at you. Uh, this comes from Patrick Thomas. Paul DeResta recently shook down Aston Martin's new DTM car. Yep. A little bit of clarification you'll do there. My question is: Has DeResta or any drivers for the Aston Martin effort been announced? Haven't seen or heard anything. So just. Curious. Uh,
2: Yeah, I think the answer is all four drivers have now been announced.
0: As we say, Uh, Ferdinand Habsburg is one of them. In fact, Renee, pull up a
2: chair, chair, Renee, because you follow DTM, don't you?
0: Just have you heard of the series DTM, by the way? Yeah, I've I've heard. I've been there a couple of times. As
2: someone who covers it (laughs) non-stop, now remind me. um, It's Paul De Resta, for Aston, the uh, HWA Aston Martin Old Motorsport. Ferdinand Habsburg, Jake Dennis, Jake Dennis, and And Danny
4: Concalea. There you go.
2: So we've got four high quality, so very different lineups. What... With
4: experience and two new guys, and very promising. Obviously, Jake Dennis, uh, well, we know what he's up to in the GT car, and uh, he, we saw his performance at Bathurst. He did very well in Blompen GT last year, and uh, curious to see what he uh, can achieve in the DTM car. Ferdinand Habsburg is the great grandson of the last emperor of Austria, so that's a very <laughs> important or a very interesting story, actually. Double Eagle. Absolutely. And uh, he, was, he was shining in Macau in the Formula 3 race in uh, 2017, which he almost won until he crashed out on the, on the last corner. A very spectacular manoeuvre. And uh, he's, he's good. He's coming from Formula 3. Now he's uh, making his debut in uh, touring cars. And history has shown that people coming from Formula 3 uh, adapt very well and very quickly to driving a DTM car, because obviously it's called a touring car in name, but it's more like a prototype. And from a driver's perspective, it's, it's very similar to a single-seater car. So, I'm yeah. <laughs> no, curious to see how it does.
2: Last quick question on this one: You're clearly very well versed with the established players in the paddock in DTM. How are they viewing this new Aston Martin badged effort?
4: I think, um, from a well, from the series perspective and for the future of the series, it's, it's very important that for the first time in what they still call the new DTM in Germany, but it's been going longer than the old DTM since 2000 already. Uh, for the first time, it's a non-German manufacturer coming in. And I think one of the most important factors to ensure the future of the series, uh, apart from the cooperation with the Japanese, of course, is attracting foreign brands. So now Aston Martin coming in as a high-prestige UK brand uh, with the Swiss team running it, with HWA with all their experience uh, having built the car and, and uh, looking after the operations. It's, it's very interesting. It's, it's, it's very positive. So
2: it's good to see some good news for what's been a fairly bleak period for, for DTM. And in, coming into the new Class 1 regulations, shared, of course, with Super GT, well, who knows what might come next? It's going to be a very interesting year with those cars getting together. Do we know yet whether the Aston Martins will make that trip?
4: Yeah, well, it's, uh, the plan for them is to have four cars on the grid for the opening round at Hockenheim, if everything goes well. And then further down the line, we might even see one or two more which is a very interesting perspective. And then there's the, the proposed... Um, first of all, Japanese are coming to join the DTM field for the finale in Okunheim, uh, early October. And then afterwards, in November, we will have a race in Japan. The venue yet to be announced, but I'm pretty sure it will be Fuji. Yeah. And, um, and there we have a combined race uh, with DTM cars and the Japanese Super GT, and I'm sure that's going to be a mega event.
2: I uh, No doubt whatsoever, René de Boer is going to be there. Absolutely, yeah. So, Renee, thanks an absolute yeah, million. My pleasure. It's great, great stuff, and another legend. Exactly. But we just keep sitting here, and people just keep turning up and giving us good well, stuff. One
0: of the smartest and also the nicest people you meet in any media centre. That's enough about so, me. What about Renee? Hey, 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 hey! <laughs> hey now. He All right, Mr. Goodwin, let's keep rocking on here with general questions as we start to wind down the show. And I know that you've got important meetings to go give people what-fors and otherwise. I've got time. I've got time. Uh, Let's go with uh, Justin Ford, who says, Our first cheap endurance race of the year is this weekend at Barber Motorsports Park in Alabama, and we're hoping to focus on strategy. Any tips for a first-time, quote, engineer? Nine hours plus seven hours Saturday and Sunday in a spec E46 BMW. 18 gallons of capacity, four drivers, two-hour fuel stint, and a one-minute, 42-second lap time is a reasonable goal from testing no minimum fuel times on pit stops so they can go quickly there. Uh, Thanks in advance for any help with strategy or what data to gather for the next race. I would say this, Justin, having done a lot of racing, not necessarily cheap endurance racing, but like this, kind of in the pro-am-ish, even just am-ish level, The fact that there's no minimum, well, it's more buggy-based, but you'd be surprised how competitive they are. Um, With no minimum fueling time, honestly, and not knowing the penalties that they might have in the series you're in, most of these types of series, Graham, have penalties for spilled fuel and things to try and caution teams that don't regularly do pit stops from... Uh, getting into dangerous situations. So my very general suggestion would be this, Justin. Beyond the engineering and raw speed, that's going to be what it is. Uh, The area where teams most often get themselves into trouble and lose uh, is when they are doing pit stops and refueling and it could be spilling fuel on the ground. It could be someone that, whatever the regulations are, you must have not only a full fire suit, but you must pull down your visor. It's those things, honestly. The actual refueling portion of your pit stops, as I've seen, tends to be the thing where you get the nice person who walks over and says, "Uh, please have your driver pull out and meet us at the end of pit lane where they will sit for five minutes and hold for the thing you just did wrong. So... I know it's a very general note here, Justin, but you go out and do your best, have your drivers drive like mad, you set up the car perfectly, and one stupid little, uh, there's a little trail of fuel sitting on the ground just as your car pulls away, and the inspector in pit lane says, ding, 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 hold on. Error-free, error-free. That would be the thing I would drill your folks to do. Sometimes they'd let you put a mat down, a drip tray, various ways and various series just that's the one area i would say focus on because that can be the thing that derails you completely
2: enjoy it enjoy it and be safe enjoy it it's a it's a great thing
0: this comes in from jordan Hotwood on facebook graham says when do you think we will see a ferrari f8 gte and gt3 cars <laughs> um let's wait and see uh, I think one of the
2: things that's going on at the moment in the background, it uh, does explain some of the decision-making process, I think, with the Le Mans entry this year and the, uh, the overbalance, if you like, in favour of GT cars. Is there, is there is a lot of politics involved in the background, whether or not it's to do with car car or future GT programmes. Um, things are happening. I think they'll happen in pretty short order whether or not that involves a bridging programme with a new GT car, whether or not that involves something coming forward elsewhere. But uh, Ferrari are moving now towards what's going to happen for their next programme. It may well be the last time we see a Ferrari with an internal combustion engine in sports
0: car racing another one here from Jordan regarding McLaren says with McLaren losing Garage 59 team uh, will there be any McLaren 720s in Blancpain this year and if so who will run them Uh, we've just had
2: the entry list haven't we and I will apologize I might actually go for an edit cut here so I need to just check that um, that entry list no we'll just
0: leave this in and say (laughs) uh, Uh, text hit Graham uh, on Twitter how's that (laughs) hit Graham on Twitter Jordan he'll get an answer to you let me
2: me tell you I can tell you 12 cars have been sold this season so there are 12 cars uh, 12 720S GT3 so they're sold out for their first year of production that car you'll be aware that the GT3 homologation states you need 10 uh, in the first year 20 uh, in total by the end of the second year and I know that speaking to the good people at McLaren that car by the way had its first race outside factory hands last night in Melbourne as part of the, um, the US Grand Prix, sorry, US Grand Prix the, the Australian Grand Prix support package uh, and won its first race in the hands of 59 Racing familiar sort of name uh, but the new Australian team to, to field the car. So we are going to see those cars racing around the world. With apologies for my uh, absence of mind at the moment, we are overwhelmed with what's happening Let's here. Let's go with get Rene back here. He Absolutely. would know. <laughs> with with <laughs> WC and IMSA. But uh, we have just seen the Blancpain Endurance Series four-season entry. I will remind myself when Marshall next ask, uh, answers a question, and I'll give you the answer in about ooh, 30 seconds time.
0: There we go uh let's see the next question comes in from graham richard a fun one this is a general question graham after sebring do you have any more planned trips to north america uh, to attend any other events in 2019 marshall same question for you but for travel outside of north america uh, he says i will play the home team card and say that a live show from Mo sports ctmp imsa would be amazing for us canadian fans Thank you again for the weekly shows and all your hard, dedicated work. So why don't we answer this first from Graham, then we'll come back to uh, Jordan's question. Uh, What about you, Graham? Are you coming back for any more rounds in America? Uh,
2: I am at the moment in active flooding mode uh, for, I hope, there to be at least one. It might be as many as three, uh, but that is going to depend on a commercial package coming together. Uh, It may well be myself, it might well be myself and or Stephen Kilby, but at the moment we're working on potential plans for uh, the Watkins Glen, maybe Watkins Glen back-to-back with Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, Petit Le Mans, maybe Laguna Seca. We'll wait and see. It is a really, really busy global calendar this year uh, with uh, the WC getting back to a regular number of races in a single season so we we've, we've leave behind the super season 18 months spread out and into a rather more compressed season I expect to be back in Asia with Asian Le Mans series. We've got European Le Mans series already on my calendar. We'll do what we can. Uh, This side of Mrs. Goodwin deciding that all my things are going to be outside in a black Ah. plastic bin liner. But but it would be lovely to think that actually Watkins Glen might see the lovely Mrs. Goodwin actually with me, because that
0: would be a great trip to make. And, Graham, I'm not sure if I will be doing anything outside the States. I hope to get to the Toronto Indy. Event uh, Getting to most sport would be amazing as well for IMSA. Is that not
2: like United States, but just like a kind of granny annex?
0: It is, exactly. I yeah. uh, would hope to get into Canada at least once or twice. <laughs> uh, not uh, exactly sure if that will happen, but hoping it will happen. Beyond that, I don't anticipate doing any travel. You've, you've more got your hands full, North America in general, so no on that front. Uh, and let's get back to Jordan's question on uh, the McLaren losing the garage 59 entry and who will no, run them.
2: No, there isn't. Uh, I know there is a team that has been having discussions. They are not currently on the full season entry list. Whether or not that might change, whether or not you might see uh, one of the cars out for selected rounds remains to be seen. There are still cars that I believe have been commissioned and sold that are not yet announced beyond what we know is happening in British GT, Australian, Super GT, Super Tagu, uh, Blancpain Asia, um, and, of course, in the Weather WeatherTech Sports Car Championship Spring Cup. Uh, we wait and see what actually happens next with the remainder of that dozen.
0: Just said hello to the great Tom Placinski from BMW, one of their heads of communications who helps them. Uh, is a big part of BMW and at least what they do here in North America with great advertising campaigns, stuff to support and just their heritage stuff. We're staring at a beautiful Brian Redman and Ronnie Peterson, BMW CSL. Uh, Anyways, we just see lots of great people here. Uh, All right, we're winding down on General and then going to close with fun. Our newest friend, Ian Chicken. Excellent, Ian. And he's here at
2: Sebring. He will be with us for the... um, He's here with a a group of the Sports Girl Worldwide Facebook group. Uh, They've been here all week. They will be with us for Twisk Live later today.
0: Beautiful. He asks, what's your favorite corners and time of day uh, that you like best at Sebring? I would say two at roughly the same time as we watch Daily Sports Cars uh, crack reporting staff wander away. At they're, least. Going, they're going for food. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> so they've got go stuff that. Their you can tell because
2: we we're hurrying.
0: <laughs> I would say turn five. Oh, and here comes Wayne Taylor. Oh, our day. He's on just, the wall. They're uh, behind you. This is about to go downhill quickly. Um I would say turn 5 at sunset and also turn 13. You can get to turn 5, and there's great acoustics there with the, the sound of the cars powering away and the hotel capturing that. Yep. But turn 13, you can't really get there so much as a fan, but, uh, oh, my. Security, security, Wayne Taylor, please escort this person out of the building. You no, know, Hobbs and I determined we're t- if you're there, we're taking you down and putting him up. Yeah,
2: yeah, David Hobbs and Wayne Taylor—it's a bitch fest now.
4: Yeah,
0: we decided we're taking yours down and putting his up. You got a moment? You've got got nothing to do, Taylor. Don't pretend like you've got other things to do.
5: Yes. What do you want me to say? (laughs) Well, you
0: normally tell us how fantastic you are and how you're the best. And uh, all kidding aside, what do you think of this weekend? Uh, First major question to follow that: What did you do wrong to lose Alonso? I mean, this guy just was so sick and tired of you after Daytona. He's uh, like, oh yeah,
5: yeah. No, he didn't like us very much. No, it was Toyota wouldn't uh, release them. You know, jumping out of a WC car, jumping in a DPR, running back in it. It just wouldn't have wouldn't have worked as much as he wanted to do it.
0: What you should have done is offer a swap to put Jordan in the Toyota. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. I'm not I that. Mean, I I'm not that. that, I'm, not that I'm, not, as, I'm not that good. I'm not. I'm not that good. All kidding aside, and there's nothing I love more than giving Wayne Taylor a hard time, as you give me a hard time, how you doing, mate? You're looking refreshed. You're not looking your normal worried self. Well, I'm hiding it better nowadays.
5: I've been to South Africa, so I had a... You were named man of the century, was it? Oh, yeah, just call me... You can call me Mr. Global now. Wow.
0: Which century? Half of Yeah. Which century, he says. Oh, Graham, you're brutal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, tell us about that. I mean, it's not—it's one thing when you get named Motorsports Hall of Fame or similar. It's another thing when you are honored by the just country as a man yeah. by your country. It's yeah. something that will never happen for myself or for Graham. So, give us an idea of what it's like having South Africa say you are a favorite son.
5: Well, considering
0: you know my background there,
5: um, I was never liked by the press. Um, in my driving. Oh, days. we understand. No, no. no. Yeah, yeah. No, but, but, press never like racing drivers unless they, bullshit us. But, um, <laughs> and you know, I don't bullshit. I just tell you like it is. It's, um, but it was. It actually, it was probably one of the most nervous I ever was to go up and talk because normally I can talk anywhere racing, but then to talk, um, you know, because now it is the country. It was quite big, and so. Um, what happened was Barbara Burns came out there and we practiced. She's the best. She practiced, and I practiced, and we got it down of four minutes, 28 seconds. As soon as I went up to talk, I thing. basically put the things in my pocket and I talked for 11, <laughs> <laughs> 11 minutes. But they did tell me I could have as much time as I was. But obviously, Barbara and my wife were looking at each other like, What's this? And they go, oh, It's Wayne, you know. And I got complimented on that speech actually, wow. more so than any other. And then after that, we went to the uh, game reserve. Great place called uh, Medikwe, outside of Sun City, Johannesburg. From there, we went to Cape Town. Climbed, I climbed um, Table Mountain. But I've got to tell you the story. You're going to love this oh, freaking story. A So the night before I'm packing, the night I'm packing to leave for the Hall of Fame, I I normally put my hanger in my mouth with my suits on it, and then I put it in a cover, and I zip it up. As I was zipping it up, I heard, and I got this headache, and I felt all these like stones, and I looked, I'd broken off half this front tooth. The night before I'm leaving, so I'm freaked out. So said, I said to Shirley, I'm phoning the dentist. He said, oh, you can't phone him after work. I said, oh, I'm phoning him. So I called him. He was at uh, Sonny's barbecue. He said, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Meet me, meet, meet me there at nine o'clock. At nine o'clock, I met him. At ten o'clock, I left with a tooth, all fixed. Right? At
2: the barbecue.
5: Yeah, no, no. He comes from the barbecue. He <laughs>
0: stick a bone in there. Yeah, or yeah. Or so, something? So,
5: so, so then I'm climbing Table Mountain, and they tell you it's like. Somewhere between two hours and four hours. But we went because we wanted to see the sunset. But time got later and later, and eventually we left at five, and I thought, I'm never going to make this. you know. Just Anyway, so we got about three-quarters of the way up, and these rocks are high. And because I got short legs, I couldn't get right up there all the time, so I had to pull myself up, so my hands were getting really sore. So I had a drink bottle like that. But it was one of those that you pull, you know, and then you stick the war oh, in. Yeah. I couldn't pull it, so I put it in my teeth. I put it in your teeth, and the oh tooth, and my oh tooth my comes God. and the tooth comes out. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking same. No, no, I'm serious. How? Who does this? Who does the kind of shit? And so then I come back. I'm freaked out. I come back home, and my dentist's on vacation. So fuck. I'm not coming. <laughs> You're to Sebring a mess. with no teeth. <laughs> So I, I go to the other dentist, the guy does, and he says, well, you've damaged it more. It's gone right up in the... So I had all these shots in my gums and stuff and drilling and, and sandblasting and vising, and and now I'm
2: perfect.
0: We came so close to having a weekend without him able to speak. Damn you, dentist.
2: Well, I've got a quick question. Um, the boys are doing great. The boys, are their, their reach in terms of their... Racing notoriety, in a very good way, goes way beyond North America now. i spotted you a couple of times having a look down that WEC pit lane. What's going on?
5: Uh, well, no. Um, we're going, I was looking to finalise something for Ricky for Le Mans. Excellent. Um, we'd love to be there. Um, but, you know, it all comes down to sponsors yeah. and stuff. And it seems like um, it's unclear as to where the P2s are going to be. Yep. And it seems to, the interest seems to have been going downhill. And it looks to me more like GTLM or GDE cars seem to be the way. But, yeah, I'd, I'd, um, I'd certainly like my boys to be, to be doing that as well.
2: That would be great. I mean, I have to say we, we did a quick walk down the, uh, the IMSA paddock with Marshall and I in camera. Um, congratulations what you've done with the team. The car always looks absolutely spectacular uh, on track. The performance at uh, Daytona this year, mesmerizing stuff. And it was great to see, in a known quantity, people finally getting it as to how good Fernando Alonso is. Yeah, my Fernando Alonso. Your yeah. Yeah. Fernando Alonso. <laughs> he was
5: just great, really. I mean, he's just... He's just so naturally talented that there was no um, there, there was no competition in the team, you know. And um, and uh, but don't
2: forget Kobayashi,
5: yeah, or also did absolutely. An oh yeah, job. yes,
2: fastest man ever at Le Mans of course now. Yeah,
5: exactly. And um, never no, a cool thing to pull off without without anybody knowing, you know, because <laughs> it took a year. Yes. No, it took, no, nine months or ten months it took to pull it off. And uh, I just felt that this year it needed something. I needed an injection for interest sake and for partnerships. So I actually signed Kobayashi way before I did with Fernando because Fernando had all these ties with McLaren and, you know, to deal with Zach. And I mean, we, Zach eventually got it done, but it was literally after we'd signed somebody else because yep. we just got to the point where look, we got to announce something, and then all of a sudden, said, do you still have a seat for Alonso? I said, well, I'll make sure I've got a seat for him, <laughs> and we did the deal.
2: He came over and he won the bloody race. Fantastic stuff! And after an unhappy 2018, what a happy way to finish. Oh God. Yeah, and, and the great done. thing
5: is, um, for Cadillac, we've won it now two out
0: of three times. Yep. Now all we have to do this one. Yeah. Wayne, an absolute delight. We should also mention that having Wayne Taylor, who's number 10 Wayne Taylor Racing, is associate sponsored by Justice Brothers, a fine sponsor of the Marshall Pruitt podcast and the weekend Sports Cars. This is a perfect alignment. I'm trying to get them to stop Supporting him and just send it our way. Yeah, so. yeah.
5: I, I had a feeling that you guys were trying to steal something from me. I, I, I could just sense it when I saw that you looking at each other and then saying, oh, "Here comes the enemy."
0: Should we tell him next week? Renouncing Konica Minolta as our primary sponsor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Taylor, all kidding aside, you yeah. know I love you. Thanks. For, yep. Thanks for stopping by, brother. Thanks. And get uh, w- braces. What are we going to do? with the I don't team? know what we am going to do. See if I pull this tooth out.
5: I don't know, if I pull the next, break the next one off, I'm just dead set. I'm done. Wayne Taylor, what a legend! Thank
2: you. legend on the wall, legend in person.
5: Fantastic uh, stuff. He's the
0: best. All right, well, this but, has been some show. Know, just, <laughs> seriously, we need to. We'll do this every week. Just here. Yes. Yeah. Just excellent. Here. Uh, all right. Where should we go next as we try and gather our final thoughts on General? Uh, let's see. All right. Here's something from Where Rabbit. Just restating my question to Graham and DSC after their paddock update, is there anything to read into the Corvette slash Greaves thing? No. What is it? What is the thing, for no. those who don't know? Well, the thing is, I actually uh,
2: spotted Billy Bob uh, Greaves in uh, Corvette Racing overalls last night. Well, not his, but it did make him look really very much like a rather beefy Oliver Gavin. Um, but uh, no, Corvette Racing helped out uh, by some of the Greaves motorsport staff at Shanghai. That role reprised here, helping them with some of the logistical effort between the IMSA paddock and the WC paddock. So all three cars are in the IMSA paddock, but obviously that needs just a little bit more logistical so good to see a championship winning crew still operational they uh, also by the way should make clear that greaves motorsport helped out with the arc bratislava Damn. championship win in the asia leman series so they've already been responsible for taking one car to leman let's wait and see what happens beyond that
0: let's see where else should we go where else should we? here's one i'll grab this quickly and we'll move into fun and then say farewell this comes from the dude Is it possible to build a car that could function as an LMP3, Formula 2, Indy Lights with only a swap of body panels and ECU adjustments, allowing teams to compete in whichever series is viable that year? Possible would be there's nothing impossible, but possible and practical are not necessarily... I, I, I
2: wonder just how many compromises you'd be making in that instance. It's a great question, but how many compromises you'd be making that might just further spec down the kind of the, the, the what makes us uh, effectively supposedly two-seater sports car. An LMP2 car, by the way, LMP3 car, by the way, is just a viable two-seater. Uh, whether or not that would actually be a problem in terms of the specificity of um, a single-seater development car my guess is great question but actually i think you'd be losing more than you gain
0: yeah it just makes me think of ordering the chicken pasta hamburger pizza burrito right? <laughs> I mean, in theory it would all be there to pick and choose from or move around but i guess there's a great reason why you can purchase all four if you individually then try and mash them up into actually that might taste good i don't know but anyways uh, that's just my very random it's nearly thought. lunchtime, yeah. All right, it's time to move into fun. We've got a couple questions there, and then we're done. This let's go one?
2: for it. So, Josh Ridgen from uh, Facebook says, let's imagine hypercar fails. <laughs> and the FI ask you to reinvent the WC, allow you to choose three classes, one site, one GT, and a wildcard class of whatever you like. What do you choose?
0: Why don't you take that one?
2: Well, we've got to find a solution to LMP, and I think that's going to be really really hard uh, I think they've made it harder than perhaps it should have been but it, make no mistake right now unique time in history this is a tough time to be pushing anything that still involves internal combustion and a major factory budget do not underestimate the difficulty of that while we all pour scorn on people uh, making the rules and you know, what look like fluffed opportunities this is not easy right now um, tiny kind of windows of opportunity with manufacturers that can disappear in days and weeks. So I'm going to steer away at the moment from prototype. I want to hear what these guys have got to say. They've been in the meetings, I've not. That's reality, everything else is theory. GT class, I'd like to see the E pros, the GTLMs, let loose just a little. Maybe not so much in terms of the aero, but a bit more power, I think, would be very nice. I'd like to see those things rock and roll a little bit more, get a little bit more towards the GT1 uh, thing there. The wildcard class, there, I think, there's an opportunity, and there comes back to something that's been a bit of a kind of bugbear of yours for many LNPC. times. No, no, it actually is to get aspirant manufacturers, standalone race teams, in with something at a more grassroots level to see what they can come up with with some kind of um, you know, rules package, whether or not that's the performance window, an aerodynamic window. I'd like to see something that is effectively Formula X. Formula X, something along the lines of here's what you get in terms of power, here's what you get in terms of aero, here's what you get in terms of fuel, go and do it.
0: I love that idea. That used to be the only idea. There you go. made sports car racing, F1, IndyCar, for the most part... Here's an idea. Here general dimensions fit within this size, other than that, have at it. We're
2: going to go for two more to finish the show, and it's been a great one, actually. Jerry Robert Tilleth from Facebook, another one of our regulars. Nice After seeing the beautiful 50th anniversary Porsche 917 concept car, what other cars, presumably from history, would you like to see given that treatment? We've actually seen the car behind us, uh, the That's homage car. You remember that one? Uh, the BMW homage, uh, that was a pretty pretty cool thing. We've seen the the uh, 935 execution, which is a real car that's going to be sold to real customers. Uh, it's a good question. What do you reckon? I,
0: well, just because it had such a huge, and albeit brief, but huge impact in IMSA for a very fleeting moment with the Ferrari France f 40 Ooh. in IMSA GTO driven by Jean-Pierre Jabouy and some young French guy named Alessi. Jean Alacy. I was there for one of those oh, rounds wow. at Del Mar in eighty nine. It's a holy it's a holy grail piece of video. I was there working as a mechanic in one of the support series. I had my video camera with me at the time, a big where you'd plunk in a VHS tape to record. And I remember walking through the GTO paddock and just stopping and dying and drooling over that gorgeous F40. Again, I know it was fleeting, at least here in the States, but I would love to see Ferrari do some sort of F40 racing heritage. There's obviously also, Graham, great heritage of that, whether it was BPR or otherwise in Europe, but uh, that would be the killer.
2: completely agree. still one of those epically well, legendary Epic, supercars, epically. epically. Uh, you know, we've seen others, the, uh, the, the, uh, the Datsun, the uh, three-box Datsun 510, was it? Uh, that raced with such success in the DRE, States. yes. That was the one that, uh, that uh, attracted some fabulous-looking, really clean kind of concept car, but so many. For me, this isn't going to be a surprise to anybody. We've actually seen an edge towards it with the McLaren Speedtail concept car that's going to be you know something that's going to be Robin Reliant I'd like to see something that is very much more uh, evocative of the original short tail McLaren F1 I'd like to see something and I strongly suspect that's not too far into the future from the the guys from Woking Um, I like it Uh, I want to see two things happening from the automotive industry I'm not back to the past because we love it but actually I don't want that to get in the way of innovation Um, We talked about this same kind of theme about liveries in the past. These heritage liveries, I love them, but it shouldn't get in the way of actually being more adventurous with what we've got now, because, my God, we're in a dull era right now.
0: Well, I would really like for this theoretical Ferrari F40 Tribute modern version to be period correct. So we would have an extra oil reservoir that just leaked. Um, <laughs> it would, f- the, it, it would come with five engines, <laughs> just because they would be blowing up so frequently. It would be, uh, it would be fascinating. All right, what's our final question? Great. We've got a go final on. question,
2: and I'm off to go and chat Porsche with some very important people from Pork Porsche. Chat. Henry Urbach from Twitter. Hi, Henry. Hey, Henry. Tell us your car and drivers of choice if you were a team principal. And there's a second part to this. I'll finish us off with. Let's
0: see. Drivers of choice. Well, not knowing the class, not knowing the car. It'd be people who did what they were damn well told, but they'd have to be quick. Fear. People who would be afraid of just, they'd be afraid I'd sit on them if they didn't listen to what I told them to do.
2: I I like, what I like, I like to see new talent coming through. I like to see people that just blow your way. Um, with something you perhaps weren't expecting. We've got a lot of known quantities, and, of course, that's an easy thing to do. There's another thing about, uh, about uh, unknown quantities coming through from the, pres- uh, from the principle of someone who owns a team, which is they tend to be cheaper. Ooh. So there's that to think about.
0: Well, my, my, I have two thoughts for drivers. Both of them might be obvious, one in particular, but I'm just thinking this would be the most amazing thing in the world. The first one, obviously, Juan Montoya. So, if I was a team principal, in theory, I would have a headset and would be able to communicate with my driver, Mr. Montoya. One way. Well, we'd want both ways. We would also have to have the uh, NBC sports team with probably a staff of two to three folks, just with... Not only the seven second delay button, but redundancies because it would be hit so often <laughs> because it would just be a cursing match back and <laughs> forth. You mother blee for you if you don't yeah, yeah. I mean, so just yelling at him, even if he's doing great and there's yep. no reason just to get rile him up, and then him cursing me out, that I mean, so that would be amazing. And on top of that, we've seen an angry Montoya just ascend to levels that most human beings have never gotten to in motor racing. So I think the performance we would see, would—I you could credit me for getting the best out of him but it's not through an excellent or kind personality. It's just through being the worst taskmaster ever but also just laughing and getting a rise out of him too.
2: Absolutely. For me, to complete our three-diver lineup offer for these two thoughts. The foil to Juan Pablo Montoya. There's only one man. Is a legend in his own lifetime and in the weekend sportscast, Christophe Bouchou.
0: Christophe Bouchou. That
2: would be. Can, can you imagine the debrief with that pair? Can you imagine
0: that? We would actually need security in there because there <laughs> would be. it would be the first all black eyes driver lineup because both of them would just be bandaged and taped and punching say, the living poop out of I'm each other. I'm not going
2: to say which of the two it was, but I do know of an incident where there, where there was an incident in pit lane after an on track. Uh, clash which involved one of those two guys I'm not going to tell you which one it was but it wasn't Juan Pablo uh, carrying a hammer um, oh, but uh, the final one I'm going to give you which segues neatly into my final point here because I do like young talent and emerging talent and stellar uh, speed Harry Tinknell
0: I was, just, I, was wondering if I think
2: Tignall is going to be one of a number of people we've got in this paddock that will become someone we are talking about for the remainder of our careers um, negatively,
0: and negat- in a mocking tone. And I can't wait. we will wait. be talking about him for a Well,
2: we're time. going to be doing that this afternoon, True. because the second part of Henry's uh, point here is, will there be another great show as it was at a Rolex put on by the both of you? Yes, there will. It's later today. It's going to be in the paddock uh, at the IMSA uh, Chip Ganassi Racing Ford area, where we've got all 12 of the combined IMSA. Just learned
0: it's going to be 11, unfortunately. 11? Who's Scott missing? Scott Dixon. He, they, they, he's testing at Texas. Not, not interesting in enough? Car. no. <laughs> Apparently, that's how little Scott Dixon cares about you, <laughs> the sports car fan. No, he, he was l- last minute drafted in to do some testing at the Texas uh, Texas Motor Speedway. So uh, we can circuit. say
2: anything we like about him.
0: We're, uh, well, we're actually going to start by mocking him. Yep. So, empty empty chair him. So that means maybe we need to find a stand-in. Ooh. Is there uh, another dirty, dirty Kiwi we can find to uh, take the role? Brendan Hartley? A ginger Kiwi. Yeah, that that's going to be... That, there's a, that's already a unicorn of <laughs> a rarity, so you're going to have the, to keep is he,
2: is he the only ginger kiwi?
0: Yeah, that I know of. I believe they only allow one on the island. Well, fair so. enough.
2: Um, but yes, we'll be there this afternoon, you and I, with the, the Chip Ganassi Ford Performance guys, uh, with, I hope, an awful lot of the fan base here, and they're arriving in droves and cars and buses. Um, so hopefully we get a big crowd for that one for the weekend sports cars live from Sebring International Raceway.
0: Huge uptick in sales. Absolutely none of it to do with you and I or folks wanting to see nope. us. So in as, fact, as one I gather that was a problem. Graham Goodwin, I love the fact that we get to do this in person because then we can actually uh, rope people in and force them to sit down and speak with us. So... We should say farewell, though, because you have important things to I've got to get moving. Yep. All right. Well, I'm Marshall Pruitt. That's Graeme Goodwin. This is The weekend Sports Cars brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers. We got it done, and we had, I think, about five guests stop in, too.
2: Fabulous. I think it's a good one.